in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, the scripture uh, begins a conversation with us uh, um, in, the, in the process of what uh, the apostle is sharing there. He tells us, the scripture tells us the first Adam, this is chapter 15, verse 45, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, or the last man, as scripture will refer to, to Christ, that is, Christ is a life-giving spirit. Adam became a living person, but Christ became a life-giving person. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will one day be like the heavenly man. There are only two men in the earth that ever existed without sin. One was Adam, who for a time, after God created him, lived without sin. We have no idea how long that was, but we do know that he and God had developed a relationship because the Bible says that that God would come in the cool of the day and he and Adam and Eve would, would fellowship together. So we know that at least for some period of time, Adam was able to live uh, without sin. The Bible speaks of Adam and Eve as being innocent in their, in their mind and in their understanding. They had no understanding of, of wickedness and, and of sin whatsoever. So for a period of time before Adam sinned, he lived sinless in a relationship with God. The second man, Jesus, sometimes we refer to him as the second Adam, teaches us that Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and gave his life for us. That's who we celebrate today. The one who came to restore the brokenness that the decisions that Adam and Eve made created in the earth. The first man, Adam, was created a perfect man. In full possession of all human faculties and with God consciousness, he... It enabled him to have spiritual communion. Can you imagine? Spiritual communion with God. Initially innocent, sinless, and holy. He was in right relationship with God. The second man, the second Adam, so to speak, was the head of the human race. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he was, he was, he was in the beginning. He was before that first Adam. Jesus Christ is the head of redeemed humanity. He is our Lord and Savior. And since Christ died for all uh, time, there will never be the need for another Adam. There will never be the need for another Savior. There will never be the need for an additional redemption. Quite often as believers, we, we stumble and, and, and we happen to, to think that, that there's need for an additional redemption. And the Bible does tell us, just go back and do your first works again. You know what it's telling us? Just go repent and get on with it. Get up and keep moving. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, I stumbled and I'm done with that. Let's move forward. And, and the Lord rejoices in that. There's no place for an additional redemption. Jesus paid the price in full. It is done, and it does not need to be done again. 
Somebody say amen to that. So I want to share some scripture with you. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many, and unto them that look for him, he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We have, the earth saw him for a time, but we, we will see him again. He paid the price, and he's coming back. Now, now listen, we don't, I don't think the church talks about this quite as much as we, we need to. He's coming again. The Bible actually says that we as believers are... I'm going to get inspired here and I don't have any voice. Better be careful. The Bible says that we as believers need to be concerned or cognizant of the fact that he's coming again and that we in fact should comfort one another with these words. We should remind one another he's coming again. It's, it, the way is hard. If your way is a little bit hard today, don't worry about it. He's coming again. If you're not sure about how the future looks, don't worry about it, uh, brothers and sisters. He's coming again. He's not going to leave you. The Bible says he's not slack concerning his promises, but he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The only reason he waits, if you're in the room today and you do not know Jesus, you need to hear this statement. The only reason he has not come back at this point in time is because the Bible says that God is long-suffering and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason that our Lord waits, we as believers who would love to see his appearing are willing to wait with him because we want you who do not know him to come and know him. We're willing to wait. Man, that's... We're willing to wait. Because God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 10 says, By which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every high priest stands daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. They just offered sacrifices over and over again, every day and every week and every month and every feast and every, every time uh, it was time again to offer, they would offer sacrifices. And it just reminded them that there was sin that was being pushed ahead toward the cross. And, and, and just God was just being patient about the sin and the, and the offerings pushed it ahead, but never washed it away. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From now on, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified. I've got to hang out right there for a minute. For by one offering... He has perfected forever those who receive him. You know, somebody's going to come up to you and go, yeah, you Christians, you all think you're perfect. You know what? I'm not perfect in attitude or action or behavior. I don't have it all together. Uh, Sometimes I'm just a flat-out mess, just to be honest. But... That when he looks at me, he says, you are forever perfected for one reason and one reason alone. Jesus gave his life and you believed. 
And because Jesus gave his life, and you believed that Jesus gave his life for, uh, for the remission of your sin, for the forgiveness of your sin, because you believed that, you are, as God says, it's, in my mind, it's forever settled. How many love it when somebody says, well, your debt is settled? When Jesus rose again, he said, your debt is settled. Will you stop living like you're still carrying the weight of that debt? Your debt is settled. So in contrast, the first Adam gave natural life to all his descendants, but the last Adam, Jesus Christ, gave eternal life and light to all men. He gives eternal life to those who receive him and believe on his name, giving them, the word says, the power to become sons of God. You come to Jesus. Some folks like to think that coming to Jesus and receiving him is the end of all things, but it is the beginning. It is to those who receive him that he gives the power to become. He begins in that moment when you say yes to Jesus, he begins to reshape who you are. While he's reshaping who you are, he looks at you and he says, that guy's been reshaped. That guy's been perfected. So while he's perfecting us, while he's working on us, while he's knocking the rough edges out of my life, while he's knocking the bad attitudes out of me and, 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 and shaping me to look and sound and act and, and walk and live more like him every day, hopefully. Hopefully, if, if you look at a guy like me at 57 years old, that I've been walking with Jesus the majority of my life, hopefully that I'm, I'm walking closer to him now and I look more like him now than I did 30 years ago. Let's hope, because he's shaping us and making us, giving us, empowering us, empowering us to be the sons of God. You and I, believers, are empowered by him to be the sons of God in the earth. Oh man, that ought to light you up. Last night I was communicating with my sister a little bit, and uh, uh, she asked how we were doing, and, and I... Uh, shared with her that I had no voice and that I intended to bring the word today. And she began immediately to talk to me about being the son of God, being empowered as a son of God to walk in healing. And she said, tomorrow you will have a voice and you'll be able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was correct. Why? Because we have a covenant of healing with him. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, this is you, if you will receive him. If you have not received him, you have an opportunity this morning to receive him. And as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. You say, oh, pastor, is it that simple? To just simply believe that he's the son of God? Why, yes, it is. He paid the price so you could receive him in simplicity. So Adam disobeyed God, and in, in so doing, he involved all of humanity in his defeat. He involved us all in his brokenness. As a result 
of, of the scripture teaches in Adam, we stand condemned, spiritually bankrupt, enslaved to sin, and expelled from the paradise that God has prepared for all believers. And that was a hopeless situation. But for Jesus. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Anybody know what all means? It's not just a laundry soap. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room has sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Christ Jesus was victorious over sin. I love the holiday season. I love the imagery of Christ, uh, of baby Jesus laying in the manger and, and, and all that we see uh, of that, that holy child laying there, giving up all of his uh, God-given authority and right to come into the earth as a mere man. I love all of that. But what I love is when you follow the progression of redemption, it'll take you over to Revelation and you'll get a new picture of who Jesus is. Warring in your behalf. Warring that you walk successfully in Him. That you are equipped and empowered to walk this walk of faith in the earth and to become sons of God. You have the opportunity... Christ won the battle. You're not fighting the battle over sin. He won the battle. You're resting in His victory. You're embracing His victory. It's kind of like all those guys, when, when Fresno State went up to uh, Las Vegas and they won the contest and got on the bus and come back and when they get back to Fresno all those people are, are gathered around celebrating their arrival why? they're relishing in their victory we are relishing in his victory we are rejoicing in his victory it's a battle we didn't have to fight it's a fight we didn't have to win we just rejoice in his victory we just celebrate his victory. I love that. So if you know Jesus, if you're in a personal relationship with Jesus, you're celeb you celebrate a relationship with him, a joy that the scripture describes that is indescribable and full of glory. The Bible says relationship with Jesus is full of joy that is beyond explanation. Beyond description, human words cannot describe the joy that belongs to the believer. It's amazing to me. I've watched believers in great crisis, and they're just full of joy right in the middle of their crisis. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all to the human understanding. But yet in them, there's a deep, settled peace that produces a joy Tomorrow's not going to look like today. God is with me and He's leading me and He'll take me through this, whatever it is. So to, to you who have a passionate relationship with Jesus, you have joy that is inexpressible in human words. 
and you have peace that passes understanding. Jesus said in John 14, 27, when he was, when he was leaving behind those that he was, uh, had so labored to bring to himself, he said, my peace I leave with you. He was talking about a tangible peace. My peace I give you. So the moment that you are in a place of turmoil, believers, you can call upon the peace of God to reside with you and in you, and he will meet you there. He gave you his peace. He said it's not a peace like the world gives. The way the world gives peace is they make contracts and agreements, and for the time that the contract and agreement is in force, they're in peace. But the minute someone doesn't want to live by the agreement anymore, now they're in turmoil. The believer, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of what's going on in your own life and in your own situation, you can be full of the peace of God. Then if you're in the room, there's, there's typically three kinds of individuals. There's, there's individuals who, who understand and are in a passionate relationship with Jesus that I just described. And then there's individuals who are exploring a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they've asked him into their heart. They've asked him to forgive them of their sin, but they've not realized that that's not the end of all things. That's the beginning of a process in which he calls you into close relationship with, with, with him, a friendship and a sonship with God. How many of y'all have friends that you never talk to? How would it be if you had a marriage and, and, and you and your spouse never had a conversation? Well, I told you I loved you 30 years ago when I married you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. How many understand that the God that we serve did not say, I love you, and then quit talking? Just like this morning in our worship, he expressed his love to you again. Every day there's a fresh expression of the love of God in the earth available to you. So God is calling you from that distant place of, of, of knowing about him, of knowing about what he what he did. I'm going to share a little bit from Joey's life. Joey grew up in church. And he described to me when he came and he met Jesus in a real and personal way here at Church of Living Water that the Jesus that was expressed to him in his years of growing up in the church that he grew up in, that they described all that God used to do. They talked about this historical God and, and all the things that God used to accomplish in the earth. And no one ever said, he still does. So when he came here and he found out that God still heals, God still sets people free, God still has conversations with people, God still tells people that he loves them, God still shares his heart through people to others, that God is still moving in the earth and God is still healing the sick and raising the dead. He got all lit up. Changed his life. He went home and said, why didn't y'all tell me this? Because he discovered that Jesus is a living individual who loves you now. He's not just a historical God. He is ever speaking. He's speaking to you right now. He's saying to you, particularly if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, but you haven't moved into a deep personal relationship with him, he's saying, would you come? 
have a relationship with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation says, if anyone will open the door and come in, I'll commune with him and, and he with me. I'll have fellowship. God is calling you to a place of fellowship. You need to move from that place of distance to a place of fellowship, to a place of communion, to a place where you can actually ask God a question and he'll answer you. I can't remember the first time God directly answered a question that I had, but I, got, I was so jazzed when I realized he's talking to me. God talks to you? Yes. I even speak for him now and again. He still speaks. He's speaking to you right now. Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. Come close to me. It's all that. Come close to me, and I'll come close to you. Then there are those individuals, and I know that there are a few of you in the room today. It's never occurred to you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. It's never occurred to you. You know, you know that God is out there, and many times, as a, particularly when you grow up in the United States, because this has been understood to be a Christian nation in the past, and, and, and we as believers still declare that it is, but that's another subject altogether. Uh, but, but because you've grown up around this uh, story of Christianity and, and, and uh, the, the nation as a rule has considered itself to be followers of Christ. Many people believe that just because they're here, they're Christian. Many people believe just because their mom and dad walked with God that they, that they have the ticket in, so to speak. That they're hooked up. God does not have grandchildren. God does not have great-grandchildren. He looks and he speaks generationally, but they're all his kids. And he invites you to be that. And so if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life, it's time to make that change. And again, it's not a complicated change. It's an acknowledgement of who he is. And Philip was ministering to the Ethiopian. He was ministering to the Ethiopian man. The Ethiopian man said, he was reading the scriptures to him. And while he was reading the scriptures to him, he came to an understanding of the message of Christ. He had, oh, he's the Savior. The apostle didn't say, let me lead you in the sinner's prayer. He didn't say, here, let me, let me show you how to become a believer. The moment that he understood and said yes in his heart, the scripture teaches us that the Lord received him. Amen. Then the Bible says you believe with your heart and then you confess with your mouth. What he said to the apostle in that moment was, what, what prevents me from getting baptized right now? I'm all in. He didn't say some holy little, oh, Jesus, come and be by my side. And he said, I understand. He's the Christ. Baptize me now. That was his confession of faith. Baptize me now. And he was saved. And history records that he went home and carried Christ to a nation. 
Listen to how simple this is. Talking to those of you who are in the room who don't presently have a relationship with Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Stop the conversation about things you have to get straightened out before you come. I grew up in a very somewhat legalistic environment. I thought there were things I had to fix. I discovered I got nothing I could fix. I could fix nothing about my brokenness. I could fix nothing about my sin situation. I could fix nothing about my temptation. Say amen, honey. Little babies over there saying amen. I could fix nothing about what was broken in me. Only He could fix it. The only thing I have available to me is that I can call on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, if I call on the name of the Lord, I'll be saved. Oh, that's too easy. And for many years, I thought, there 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 has to be another step. There has to be something else. No, Jesus came, born of a virgin, grew up, went to the cross, preaching the kingdom of God, went to the cross. He's enough. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're saved. You're forgiven. You're accepted among the brethren. I love this. Jesus said this. John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He still has the same purpose. When Anne was teaching some weeks back, she said, that hasn't changed. It's the same battle that's being fought all over the world in the lives of individuals. The thief still desires to kill you, to steal from you, or to destroy But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. One of the translations says, have it to the full. I have an expectation in my heart to have the fullness of the abundance of God in my life. Because Jesus said, my purpose is to come to give you abundant life. To give you life in fullness. Joy, inexpressible inexplainable peace the bible says that passes all human understanding 